You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with John Shirley. He's the author of A Song Called Youth, one of the men who invented cyberpunk. His latest novel is Everything is Broken. Thank you for joining me, John. Happy to do it. John, you've decided to write about what happens when a tsunami takes California. What made you to decide to uh, subject California to yet more disasters? If, uh, is is uh, 2012's financial crisis not enough? I was looking for the right disaster for California. What is the best fit for California for a nice disaster? I said to myself, a, a blizzard does not seem a good fit. Uh, <laughs> I could do a meteor, but I don't know. That seems a little meteor-cur. Uh, and I came up with uh, a tsunami because, and this was written before the Japanese tsunami, by the way. First draft soon before the Japanese tsunami because I had been reading about this tsunami in Indonesia and saw imagery of it, and I was really impressed by the power of it and the way it just puts things in perspective really fast for us, you know. And also, uh, there had been talk that uh, earthquakes may be related to, not all earthquakes, but certain earthquakes may uh, be related to global warming because he changed the pressure on the um, tectonic plates by unfreezing the uh, permafrost by reducing the ice packs and then changing the water pressure around the world and it changes the air pressure and suddenly there can be a big flurry theoretically of earthquakes along with all the other problems from climate change. Nobody knows if that's true, but I was positing that might be true. And I needed a disaster, you see, because really the point was to show what happens if you don't have a emergency infrastructure in a community and there's an enormous disaster. What would really happen if the Tea Party or organization like the Tea Party or libertarian thinking persons, uh, you know, uh, along those lines were dominant in some particular area and there have been anti-tax people fanatics, you know, in Northern California and certain counties up there. What would happen if there was if there was a community that was you know dominated by that principle and they had gotten rid of most of their emergency services because they were opposed to taxation and uh, because they didn't like big government quote unquote and then what would happen if they were hit with a really nasty disaster and they were relatively isolated? Well, I chose a tsunami and I chose and I made up a town that would fill the bill. And when the tsunami comes in the story, the people are ill-fitted to deal with it because they have undercut all of their uh, emergency infrastructure and all their emergency services because the the general attitude of the people in the area has been sort of uh, against preparation and, uh, and all the things that government is good for. And recently, there's a firestorm in Colorado. And Colorado Springs has been an anti-taxation haven They've gotten rid of most of their police in that area and firemen, and they had a firestorm there, as was in the news this last week, and it's still they're just still cleaning up after it. All of the help for Colorado Springs had to come from out of town. 
the National Guard had to help. They didn't have any help in Colorado Springs because they refused to pay taxes, so they had none of these services available for this emergency that happened upon them. And that's almost like an enacting of my story, especially when you consider that uh, in Colorado Springs, during this emergency, burglaries, something like went up several hundred percent. Huge number of burglaries. And that's because uh, local criminal elements knew that there were no police and they knew that people were pushed out to another part of town and couldn't watch their own houses. So they swept through the town and just stole everything from anything that wasn't burning. It was almost as if in the recent news uh, dramatized what happened in my novel, except in Colorado Springs. In the novel, it gets very, very dark, and it's a sort of Lord of the Flies for the 21st century with adults, and it gets very ugly, and there's, a, there's meth people involved, and there's, it's a coming-of-age story, and it has all these other elements, and it's a kind of noir story set in the near future. But it all comes together as an allegory about how community matters. And it's not just all about self-serving, a self-serving attitude that does not really serve a community. It's a, it's a myth that the trickle-down people and the Reaganoid people and the Ayn Rand people like to spread. And, and my book is to say that is a damn lie. And, and it dramatizes that very, very, very intensively. You know, that's an interesting point because I, we hear that people want to run the government like a business, but government and business have two fundamentally different goals, and running one like the other seems suicidal. You run a, gov- you run a business like you were supposed to run a government, it's going to go into the ground. You run a government like you run a business, and you're going to end up with lots of problems. It's a disaster what's just happened in Mexico, the return of this, the PRI in Mexico, the new government there that's taken over. This is the same group of people who privatized all kinds of services they used to have in Mexico. What happened was it was just a huge giveaway. Uh, it made billionaires out of the friends of the people in top levels of government in, in Mexico. It made billionaires out of them, but it didn't help the people because these new privatized companies were are motivated by profit motive, and so they cut services and they, uh, they cut corners. People are jilted or cheated out of their basic community services, and this really has been screwing Mexico over for years now. So it's, it's a perfect example. There's an excellent article about it in the New New Yorker magazine you can read. That, um, and also in the Deep South, uh, prisons have been privatized, and the people uh, in the law enforcement community are all overlapping with the people in these privatized prisons, and they arrest people basically to increase profits in the prison a lot of times, places like Alabama and Georgia. They, they are, some of these prisons are the new debtors' prisons. In some of those states, you can go to pri- can actually be arrested for a misdemeanor um, nonpayment of, of your bills that people are swept away into jail and locked up for just being, literally, for being poor and behind in their, in their payments on things in places like Alabama now. And that relates to the privatization of, uh, uh, of prisons and, and the uh, justice system in Alabama. Now, one of the things I think you do very well, it sounds like in this book, is to use your skills as a science fiction writer to reimagine the present as the future and reimagine the present as in the future only worse. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is an, everything is broken. My, this is my new novel from Prime Books. Uh, everything is broken is an extrapolation. 
it's fairly near future and there's only just a little bit of near future technology around the edges. It's mostly about the disaster scenario as it would play out in the near future in these in the, the direction that the that the United States is going in now if we take seriously the the strengths of the whole Tea Party scene. You look around, and, they, and these people seem to be successful and persistent. And it's it's partly because of things like astroturfing, you know, where you know you have these enormous companies who will pay for, like the Tea Party's original main website was paid for by big corporations that wanted to promote these peoples because these people were against taxation and they were against regulations. So the corporations supported them, but you know, they, to them it was a grassroots movement. Except it, they had basically been put up to it by people, you know, and in, in the uh, by corporatists. That scenario, where does it take us? Well, I, I project it in uh, everything is broken into a, a kind of microcosm. Sounds like your science fiction is becoming very political. Well, you know, the, if you read the book, it doesn't. I don't think it seems that way. It's uh, because if you have a well-written parable or allegory, it's an entertaining story. And uh, there's very little political discussion in the book. That would be tiresome. But it kind of is structured to make the point. And at the same time, it's it's a exciting noir action coming of age story with a, you know, and it's pretty violent too. It's always entertaining. And the, and the dramatization of the tsunami, I'm pretty proud of it actually. I've been speaking with John Shirley. His new novel is Everything is Broken. It's not nonfiction. Thank you for joining me, John. <laughs> All right. Thank you. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.